Hello, welcome to the podcast series, Conversations in Time, where longtime residents of St. Andrews share their histories with us. This episode, Emma interviews George Pike, a former Reeve who grew up in St. Andrews. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Without further ado, George Pike. No, I was born and raised in Selkirk. But I had the fortunate idea that, that we, as kids, we had bicycles. And we'd ride down uh, Main Street at that time, and we'd stop at Mapleton School, which isn't there anymore, of course. And uh, we met a lot of kids there that we grew up with and played hockey or baseball with. And then further on, we'd go to Dickinson's store. There was a store just by the bypass there at one time. And then we'd go on to the fort, and we'd play in the fort. And at that time, the fort was uh, composed of the actual site. It wasn't running as a fort, so as, as tourists or anything, but it was a golf course beside it where the new reception center is. So we would watch the people play golf there and that, and we would sneak inside the fort and into the different buildings and that, but it was quite interesting. What's interesting is at one time, it was a mental hospital in there as well, and a jail, one of the first jails in Manitoba. And then they moved it over to Stony Mountain, of course, as we know it. But at one time, one of the buildings in the corner was actually a mental hospital as well. But we would play there, and one of the fellows that his father ran the uh, lower fort at that time turned pro golfer because he practiced and practiced at the golf course. But we would play there for quite a while. But the road itself that you see now in 2020 is, was, wasn't there. It was a lot closer to the door. If you see where the people walked from the reception center to the fort, that was where the road was. So they moved it away to give it more time because it was, the walls were not that stable at that time. But further on, the, on that part was the, across the street was the Fairfield uh, Woolen Center. And they were block houses and they would be about uh, 40 by 40 maybe. And they had about four buildings there. And it was uh, scrap wool material for the war. They actually had different uh, buildings there. And and there was a little factory people worked there. And they would make um, socks and gloves and hats and shirts out of scraps of wool. And these houses were still there. Buildings were still there when we'd go over there. And they were quite locked up, quite good, because it was federal government at that time as well, on the opposite side of of Lower Fort Gary. So then continuing on, later on, it became uh, a little bit older there. I guess I was probably about 16, 17, when the drive-in theater came in at Lockport. It's an empty field there now, but it was a big drive-in theater, quite an attraction. People used to come from all over. In fact, they had to have signs on the highway. You couldn't stop there while the show was watching uh, going on. So that was a big event. It was kind of funny when I look back at it, what we would do is one person would drive the car and the rest of us would sit in the trunk and we would only have to pay for one person. I guess when you look back at it, the guy at the gate knew what was going on, but they didn't really care. But yeah, we used to go to this drive-in theaters quite often and uh, girlfriends and that, and they had a little popcorn stand there and we'd have goodies and that. And then we continued on. But at that time, uh, then I moved into Winnipeg for 10 years, came back and I built a house in St. Andrews. I've lived in St. Andrews now for 43 years. Wow. Brian, what year did you move here? In 77, wow. 1977. And at that time I got org- uh, involved with a community club and as a volunteer and then we built on and then we had some fundraisers and I actually put my house up for a mortgage to get the artificial ice. So we had to pay off the mortgage or I'd lose my house, I guess. <laughs> 
But at that time, it was a thing to do, and we did that very good. And we had some good volunteers, good helping. We poured the floor. We started on a Friday at noon, and we poured all weekend to get the floor in and everything else. It worked out quite well. And we finally had artificial ice in St. Andrews. And that would have been in the uh, about 1984-ish, I think it was. People don't realize that uh, Fort Garry goes, or the municipality goes all the way up to Winnipeg Beach. A lot of people think it's just this area, this Petersfield, Clandeboy. They think that's a separate municipality or whatever they, they believe in. But overall, it goes right up to Winnipeg Beach. And in grade eight or grade eight, seven or eight, I think it was, we used to go to Camp Chesley and Camp Houghton. One of the girls in the school, her name was Carol. She, her parents owned uh, Houghton, uh, Chesley's Lodge and Houghton's at that time. So we used to go there swimming in that, and I met a lot of friends there. And then I guess about 1961, maybe it was, they amalgamated the school divisions. And Lord Selkirk became inclusive with St. Commence and St. Andrews and Selkirk, of course, and they became one big area. And a lot of those people, it was in grade nine for me, that was the first year the buses were involved, bringing the kids into St. Andrews and Selkirk. The Lockport School wasn't built yet. But it, with the kids coming in from Petersfield, Clandeboy, and St. Commence, Lebo, all that area, East Selkirk, that brought a lot of new friends. And to this day, I still know a lot of these people in that. So that was very good. And we had a reunion, a 50th reunion from our graduation a few years ago. And all these people came back, and it was just like we never left there. We never seen each other. Uh, unfortunately, there was a few people that weren't around anymore, but... Uh, we're going to have another one. We're going to have a 60th pretty soon. And it's kind of good. We are, we learned a lot in the last one, but uh, we'll, we still have the names and addresses, people from all over. We had one fellow come from uh, Germany, Florida, California. So they scattered all over. A couple of the people had made it quite well. Some were the doctors in uh, Mayo Clinic. Uh, some were doctors in Florida. So... It was nice to see d different areas. A lot of people were from Calgary, of course. A lot of people from the East Toronto area. But they all managed to come at the time. And I think out of the whole class, we had uh, close to 80 out of 140. So that was that was nice to see everybody again. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping to have another one, like I said. But overall, I think that uh, St. Andrews with the community clubs involved, uh, Petersfield Club, Curling Club up in Petersfield, the Clandeboy Curling Club and the Clandeboy Community Club. Matlock is another area of concern there. They, they are well organized, good volunteers. And that's what a community is made of, is volunteers and community centers and things like that. Rossdale Hall is another one, quite prominent. They have two or three dinners a year, bringing everybody together. And that's what I like about the community. You don't have that in the city. And in uh, when I built my house, it was 32 lots in, in the bay that I live in. And we knew everybody. We had over 14 uh, kids at, at the bus stop at one time, and then gradually grew up to about 24. So we had a lot of kids knowing each other, looking after each other, and that. So that was kind of nice. And the families, of course, have moved, moved away and grown up. But uh, it's still it's still a good area to live in, and uh, I, I like it, enjoy it. Can you tell me a bit about your history with your career and your involvement? Okay, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Selkirk, and I joined the Winnipeg Police Department in 65, 1965. I, different steps, I was in plain clothes, as they say, 
and I became a detective, and then I went detective sergeant, sergeant of detectives, inspector, staff inspector, and I retired as a superintendent. I did 30 years in the Winnipeg Police Department. So I felt that was very important for living in St. Andrews, and that what I've seen in the city, in the inner city, is a community with the kids and making sure that they were safe and making sure they were involved in sports. They had friendships in school and on sports idea, whether it's baseball, soccer, or hockey. That was very important. So that's what I did enjoy about it. Then when I moved to St. Andrews in 77, I carried it on and I got involved in the community club. I was president of the community club for four years. And like I say, we did artificial ice. We did the rink, put in the lights in the rink and changed that around as well. And uh, it's been progressing. It's stalled here and there, depending on the amount of volunteers and their ambition. So with that, uh, it's overall, I think it's a good idea to have a community club in different centers that we have throughout St. Andrews. So that's what I feel very fortunate to be involved in. After I've lived here for a while, there was a few issues that came up in St. Andrews, which people had to get informed about. So we had different meetings in, at the community club. And because we had these meetings, I got involved in politics and uh, questioning the different ideas that were coming forward. Some were great, some were neutral. But overall, I became mayor in, 19, in 2014. I did that for one term, which is four years. The issues that made you get involved in politics? Well, there was one issue with the uh, different... Uh, <clears throat> one was a, uh, they were going to put a casino at the airport. And uh, it, they didn't get enough information, so we held a couple of meetings, and the people in the area didn't want a casino at the airport. At that, it was a provincial decision not to have it at the airport eventually, but the municipality also opposed it at that time. We had two or three good meetings and good, uh, let's say, high-intense meetings. And then there was another one that I thought was very important for the community, and uh, we really had a good group of people who opposed that one, and it was going to be a uh, toxic waste uh, disposal area, and they were going to dig a pit and keep the toxic waste in there until it, it settled and went through different areas. And uh, I didn't think that was what right for St. Andrews. They eventually moved it to outside south of Winnipeg, somewhere it is there now. But I didn't think that was an area that we needed to get involved in. So again, there was heated meetings and information for the public and the public and the councillors again turned that one down. So that was kind of uh, the main topics. And they were another one we had was the uh, overall about subdividing the lots. Like most places are an acre and a half or actually 1.37 is the minimum. And that's what people bought and that's what people grew up. And there's quite an area right from uh, Donald Road south to uh, our southern border is, is, is an area where there's going to be no subdivision unless things change, of course. But north of Donald Street, uh, Donald Road is, can be subdivided in that. But it's open to future political decisions. And that's called the Lower, lower Fort uh, Lockport Development Area. So there is development area in there, but there's different areas like that that should be preserved. Uh, historically, there are nice areas. The log skinners is a very important part of it as well. Historic people come from all over to have a hot dog at Skinner's. I know my parents did. And I remember going there on a Saturday night and listening to the jukebox as a kid. So those were important days and good, good, good memories. Well, I guess most of my time was spent in Selkirk at the time uh, when I joined the police department at 21. Prior to that, I played hockey. We played hockey with the uh, Selkirk fishermen at different age groups. And then there was a lot of uh, 
kids came from St. Andrews, the Kitchen Brothers, uh, Ronnie Bochin, Ronnie Stefanik, uh, just to name a few. They were with us all right through the career, playing hockey right up to junior age, and some of them made junior hockey, so that was kind of good. Baseball was another one. We played baseball against St. Andrews, and that I remember Elmer Carolick bringing the kids uh, in, in his van, I guess it was, right after school to play hockey, and he had some, he had to have, I think it was 10 and 11, some of those kids were 13 and some were 7, but he needed enough for a team, so I still remember their sweaters, they were white sweaters with a whole bunch of stars on the shoulders, and these sweaters were so big, some of the kids could hardly skate because they were down to their knees, <laughs> but that's the way it was in, in those days, and uh, it was good, good friendships, and to this day, I was speaking to a few of those fellows I see it quite often, uh, and that. So, Doug Kitchen is a lawyer in Selkirk. Grew up with him. Went to school with him. And Porky Kitchen, as I know, he's he's just passed away. But he lived in New York. He made pro hockey. So there's a lot of kids like that that played different areas. Were there any other attractions in St. Andrews that are no longer? There was one there it's between 44 and Stevens Avenue uh, East. There was a bumper car. Uh, I think maybe that's not the right word, but it was a race, little race oh, car yeah. set up on that field there in between. It's still, the ground is still open. There's cement in the pavement at least, but that was another one where the people used to go there and ride these cars, go-karts, I think they were called at the time. So that was another attraction that was there. That would have been probably in the, uh, around 1960-ish okay. as well that was there. People used to come fishing at Lockport. That was another big thing. And then, of course, we used to watch the boats go through the, uh, well, the locks, I guess they were. And that was interesting. On Sunday night, there would be maybe 40, 50 boats lined up to go through to the back, to go back to Winnipeg. But they don't do that anymore. They stay at Gimli because the the Red River at the mouth of the river is uh, very low and they can't get through. But at one time, they used to go on a Friday and come back on a Sunday and we used, to, we used to call it was the Winnipeg Navy, watching the boats and that. That was interesting. People would just watch these boats go through the locks. I don't even know if they run it anymore, but I guess it's still operable. Another thing is the locks itself. It's called like Lockport, uh, St. Andrew's Locks and that. But uh, one interesting thing is the gates are actually, there's only two in the world. And the actual gates itself are made out of uh, hard wood. And I forget where they got it from, somewhere in Africa, I believe it was, or something, to make those gates. And the, all the engineering in that came from England, and that's how they made the, the gates itself. They move them up and down, they repair them every year, replace them, and make sure they work very good. And it keeps the water level high for the city of Winnipeg as well, so that's part of the process. If they let it go, it would dry right out. I know my gra grandparents and great-grandparents, they had a farm just in, just in West St. Paul, just on the border almost of St. Andrews, and they used to take their cows across the river. That's how shallow it was till they built the locks and got it going and had the, that's why they back it up to keep the water high enough on this side of the uh, locks. So they maintain the water level for the city of Winnipeg. Another thing is a lot of people, like another one was the, uh, I call it Denver Hospital. But at one time, it's the, the St. John's Cathedral Boys School, and now it's a, uh, I think it's a, they have children's classes there and stuff like that. But at one time, it was a TB hospital. It was uh, federal government for TB for in, uh, natives. Probably 40 to 50 patients having TB 
and they had their own farm, the vegetables, cows, horses, uh, of course, like I say, a farm, self-sufficient in there, and that's where they treated the uh, Aboriginal people for TB at one time, it was quite strong. And then once they got there for a while and they couldn't help them or anything, they'd send them to Ninette, which is just south of Brandon somewhere, or north of Brandon. But it was very prominent Denver Hospital, and that's it's still there. Some of the buildings have been taken down, but it was for Tuberu. They'll stick with TB, but people didn't realize it. Actually, it started off as a TB hospital. Wow, yeah. Where the bridge is, just by the new bridge. Yeah, it's right there, and that was quite an employment place for a lot of people along Breezy Point Road and River Road there on the side. A lot of people were working there or helping out there, both in the hospital part, but the farm and the vegetables and that, that was quite prominent. That's about all I can think of that end of the town that I knew about. Another thing we used to do as kids, I guess kids, I guess maybe 10 years old, we would go to St. Clement's Church and uh, find the soldiers, uh, different soldier monuments they had there at that time. Relatives and friends that my parents knew or relatives and everybody. And it was about five or six of us would go there and look at all the tombstones just to see what was going on. We never broke any. We never touched them. That was sacred ground. That's what our parents used to say. But we'd stop there and get a drink of water from the tap, and then on we'd go to Dickens' store and carry on to Lower Fort Gary, and then turn around and go back. But uh, that was that was interesting. But Mapleton School was halfway in between, and a lot of the kids on the borderline would go to St. Andrews, mm-hmm. and then eventually to, uh, to Selkirk School and later on. And then another thing was there was a little train sta- uh, station at Fort Gary Road, across from Lower Fort Gary. It wasn't, it wasn't much of a station, but it was a loading dock, Train used to always stop there, and there was protection for the people to sit there and wait for the train, and that. So that was one stop. The train always used to stop there on its way to Winnipeg Beach or wherever. Okay, it was a passenger train. Yeah, it would be a passenger train, not too often, but it would go. We'd have what they'd call a church Sunday, where Selkirk's churches would all get together and St. Andrews. And take everybody to Winnipeg Beach for this for the day on the on the church, but there used to be a, a train called. The, well, there's one that went to uh, Grand Beach and one went to Winnipeg Beach. One was CN, the other was CP. And then the line was there and would take people up to the beach to uh, spend the week or something. The traffic. I don't know if they did it year round, but definitely during the summer. And we would watch the train go through Selkirk and it was passenger train at that time. Now I guess it just goes to Gimli and that's it. Did you ride that train often? No, just for the Sunday church. Okay. Uh, they used to take us all to the Winnipeg Beach and they'd have games and supper and hot dogs and that. We'd ride the roller coaster and then we'd also take the uh, swimming in the river and do the different contests they'd have. Running and games and three-legged races and wheelbarrow races. And that was one thing. And then we'd all get on the train and come home. And seen by that time it was so slow, but at that time that's the way they did it. They'd stop at Clandeboy and they'd stop along the way to pick up people or drop people off. There was a church uh, portion by the uh, churches in Selkirk and St. Andrews would get together and I guess pay for the train or whatever. And it was well organized, so it was done right. Well, that would be in the uh, mid 50s, I guess. 50 to 1950 and 55 maybe in that area yeah that'd be about right we used to wait for the trains to come with the new cars in them they used to drop them off at Selkirk they'd have it all covered up and 
trains used to sit there and they'd unload all the new cars and they'd all be covered up with paper so you couldn't see them. But as kids, we found a way to watch these new cars come off the train and watch them go to different dealers and that in town. But they used to do that at the Selkirk train bridge. That's gone. Um, people don't even realize that where it was, right by Manitoba Avenue. And the tracks are the train tracks that used to be on the uh, east side of the tracks. And there's quite a, quite a large train station, actually. And then, they, of course, they, the elevator was there as well for the farmers for their uh, uh, grain or whatever. There was a big elevator there. People came, farmers in St. Andrews would take their grain there, big elevator, and then they built it bigger and had a big storage area there. And they had a feed mill as well nearby, so that was good for everybody. But I don't remember anything in St. Andrews. Well, they had a feed mill in St. Andrews. Yes, I do know that. Not south of Skinner's on River Road, there was a feed mill there as well and that's I don't think it's there anymore it might be portions of it but I know it's sort of like an antique store there and that as well but they used to have a feed mill there and people used to take their grain and get it ground up make flour out of it or whatever they did with it but that was quite popular as well I remember the trucks lined up ready to go in with the different produce barley or grain or rye or whatever it was that's another feed mill there remember I don't know when they stopped that one. But St. Andrews has gone a long way and it still has to progress and that's the main thing. People like it here. It's a good place to live. It's a good place to uh, raise families and it's a good safe area. It's got historical value. It's like Lower Fort Gary and the church across the hall here and also this rectory building and that. And there's other areas of there and Larders. The golf course there is historic as well. And, of course, the municipality owns the airport, so that's another feature that the municipality has. Uh, I've lived in St. Andrews now, like I say, 43 years, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. As long as the taxes don't get any higher or whatever, but that's a concern for everybody, but I'm just teasing there on that one.